Good morning, church. You know, getting ready this morning, it's 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 interesting, right? We're seeing all these kids. I, I got up this morning and, and I'm getting ready and it's like I had that feeling of just a child giddy to get to the house of the Lord. You know, excited. Like the 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 experience hasn't dulled out. <laughs> you know, we should be excited to come to the house of the Lord, to, to give a, a, a sacrifice, as the Bible says, of praise and worship to God. That's why we come first and foremost, because we want to thank him. We want to praise him for his goodness. And you know, I've seen Mark and Virgin, you know, and, and it never gets old. The same thing comes out of that man's mouth. He's like, man, I'm just so grateful that he took me out of the, the kingdom of darkness and placed me in the kingdom of light. We have to recognize how, how much of a miracle that truly is. The fact that, that he's watched over you and I throughout the night and, and, and we were protected in our sleep. We woke up out of our sleep fully functioning, able to be here, no matter what our condition is. That is a miracle. You see, God is so much in the details. And so many times we so overlook all the little, little things that are micro miracles, but they all compose of something so great and so big. So just be encouraged in that. And, and as, as I'm hearing the worship, and we're so grateful for uh, Isaiah and Michelle, and, and they have blessed talents and gifts in, in just that realm of their lives to be able to, to play an instrument beautifully and to sing praises to the Lord. But it's very interesting that, that, that if we go deeper, right? Because, because sometimes, and, and, and unfortunately, there's a generation, young generation of believers right now where, where they think, that's it. <laughs> and, and that's all worship is. And they get so enamored. And again, like I said, don't, please don't mince my words. Uh, I, I'm so grateful for the song and praise. And we are to do that. But that is so only one aspect of worship, right? Because you can have an emotional experience and still be living like hell. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't mean to make light of that. But we are called, the Bible says, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And so worship should encompass every area of our lives. The way we treat uh, our neighbor who is anybody, the way we engage with our family members, those of you who are married, the way you, you uh, love your wives, husbands, we're supposed to lay our lives down for them and put their needs before our own uh, to lead our, our children and our grandchildren in all truth. Because John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 says, But the hour is coming, and now it is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So you see, church, it's so much more than just an experience, and it's so much more than just a song. As we talk about all the time, I want to be someone who lives out the sermon. This is the easiest thing. God has given me God-given abilities, God-given gifts to speak the word, but it's about applying it to my life. It's about applying it to our lives and living it out daily. That is the mark of someone who is worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen? We have a hard message this morning and it has been uh, very challenging and, and very convicting uh, 
to me personally uh, in, in, in what I have to present. But nonetheless, it is the true word of God. It is the truth. And we must share the word of God as it is revealed, uh, not altering anything and not taking anything away. So with that, we'll be in James chapter three this morning. Uh, we're going through verses seven down through 12. Uh, once again, this message is entitled Taming the Tongue. Part two. This is part two of a, a two-part message we started last week. So uh, when we get there, if you are able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. If you have a Bible of any sort, paperback on your phone. If not, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Uh, we'll give you a moment to go ahead and turn there. James chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. I'll go ahead and read our text this morning. And then after that, we'll go ahead and pray and we'll get into the meat of our message. All right, starting in verse 7, and it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, thank you once again just for your presence in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity to come together corporately as part of the body of Christ and to, to honor you, Lord, and to serve you and to give you the praise that you deserve. And Father, we know that this, this subject is a touchy one. It, it pierces the core of our being because we know far beyond our words, it starts and emanates in our hearts. Father, help us to be like the man after your God's own, your own heart, King David, uh, as he, he prayed, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. Father, would you deal with us, Lord, and would you take out, Lord, dispose of all of the filth, all of the wickedness, all of the things that are unpleasing to you. Lord, make us clean vessels for your usage. May we be those that continue to come into agreement with the Holy Spirit and may we be those that rebuke all of these unclean demons and all of this uncleanliness that always tries to creep in. Father, may we have discernment. Would you bless us with a measure of your anointing that we would be able to rightly divide your word. Father, may we, may we see it imperative to apply your word and the principles of your truth into our lives. May it not just be just another service, Lord. May, may we leave this building changed or else we're wasting our time. So, Father, please be merciful upon us. May your grace be upon us. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In your Son, Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, uh, just a quick recap, just so we can kind of get up to speed and we have the framework of understanding where we're going with the Scripture this morning. We learned that there was a heavy call, or there always is a heavy call upon any man that is called to be led by the Holy Spirit to teach God's Word. This is not something that you could just prop yourself up and do. You know, it, 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 you have to be called. You have to be called to do so. 
And we see this. We talked about it last week. It's a shame that you can go online and pay X amount of money and you can become ordained to be called a minister and you can, you can, uh, you can oversee weddings. And you got all these people running around marrying people of the same sex and doing all kind of ungodly things and saying that they're ordained. No, they're not ordained. They paid for it. That's business. That's not, that, that's not the organism of the Holy Spirit. That's not cultivated in truth. That's not from El Shaddai. That doesn't have the anointing and his blessing upon it. But this, this call to teach, it is something to be taken very seriously as the judgment of every single teacher, preacher, rabbi of the word of God. They, we will all face a stricter kind of judgment because we should know better, because we should be rightfully dividing the word and walking circumspectly and above reproof in our own personal lives. It's a shame when we, we treat it in such a manner where we can be flippant about it. It's not that at all. We were also reminded about the anointing of God and how to keep that anointing upon our lives from drying up. We talked about this last week. Every true believer, every person who has been regenerated by the power supernaturally by the Holy Spirit and is saved has a measure of God's anointing upon their lives. Now, how we walk in that anointing and whether or not that anointing continues to flow freely from God the Father into our lives or whether it dries up for a season or for a long period of time depends on, again, what you and I come into agreement with. We have to walk in a way that is above reproach. We are holy. We're, we're called to be set apart. And when you're called to be set apart, it's going to look different. You're going to be ostracized by the world. But we shouldn't be those that want to, to blend in with the world. Yes, we walk shoulder and shoulder and rub elbows with the world. We should be engaging with people who aren't saved. We should be sharing the love of the gospel. We shouldn't be in our little Christian huddles and that's it. We don't want to talk to no non-believers. But we shouldn't be turned out <laughs> by them. We need to be, there needs to be a line of demarcation where they know, man, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. There are markings in your life that clearly show that you don't get down how I get down. And, and if we're, when we're walking in truth, they're going to be amazed by that. Not about us, but about the God who's doing the sanctification in and through our lives. Amen. We also learned that if we can grow in self-control, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can learn to control what comes out of our mouths. Like a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder that's attached to a large ship, the tongue is a very small thing, this little thing of flesh in our mouths. But it, it, it breeds either life or death, evil or good, holds its weight in the tongue. And this is what leads us to the second part of our message this morning, Taming the Tongue. We have several main points, and the first one is this. Mankind has been given dominion over all other creatures upon this earth, but because of the sin nature, we can't even tame our own tongues. We have dominion over all of these other living things, but we still cannot tame our tongue. Have you ever heard, uh, they call it the man-on-the-moon argument? <laughs> It goes something like this. Why is it that we can put a man on the moon, but we can't cure the common cold? <laughs> we got the man on the moon, but then you got this, this COVID-19 going crazy, <laughs> which I believe is, uh, you know, obviously the Lord allowed it, but I believe it's a man-made thing. I don't believe it's something that, that, that God did. He allowed it, <laughs> the wickedness of men, but it's something that, that, that man prescribed. Or why is it that we can put a man on the moon, 
But we can't show up on time to functions or things of that nature. <laughs> Simple things we can't do, but we, 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 we pride ourselves on these great feats of going into outer space, space which, by the way, you know, the, the, the scientists and the experts in that field, they all agree that the universe is ever expanding. <laughs> and the more that it ever expands, they, the more they say they don't understand anything about it. <laughs> You know, again, just another praise to God of, of his majesty and his might. He's the one who created the cosmos. He's the one who put all the stars in alignment. He's the one who did all that. You see, in his statement about human beings able to tame animals, but not our own tongues, James is using the same kind of logic here. He points to examples of amazing human achievements specific, specifically when it comes to control, controlling and, and taming animals. Even in the time here uh, of James when he wrote this, human beings had learned to tame every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and sea creature. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 tells us, And God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Obviously we know he's speaking to the first Adam, and he's speaking to Eve, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Just think about it for a second, you know, just think in your mind. You know, I know for me, when when I when I lived in New York, I always have a memory of being in um, in Madison Square Garden and having those little those little lights that they would wave around. And it was the circus, the Bar- uh, Ringling Brothers. It's not even around anymore. Barnum and Bailey's. Right. But but these but these people would, would be able to, to 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 train these animals and tame these animals. Or, uh, you know, down in San Diego, Shamu the whale, right? I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself, <laughs> but Shamu, right? How do you get this big killer whale, jump out of, that, out of that water and go get that ball or, you know, jump through a ring? What in the world? It's not remote control. These there are people who are really doing it. But we're, we're able to do these kind of things, but we still can't tame our tongue. Why? <laughs> Why is that? Well, it's because the words we speak good or bad, are directed connectly to what is inside of our hearts, spiritually speaking. What's our core? What's at the core of our being? What's at the, inner, the point of our inner man? It's, it's what lies there. You see, if our hearts are full of darkness, devoid of Jesus Christ, then we will speak death. But if our hearts are filled with the light and the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ, we will speak life. We will speak Words of blessing over people and ourselves, not curses. And the only way our hearts can be filled with the light of Jesus Christ is if we continually submit our lives to his authority and rule in our lives. We have to have humility. It needs to be a main factor in our life. Humility enough to say your ways are far greater than than mine. You're right. I'm wrong. (laughs) and be willing to say, you know what, at the core of who I am is I'm a wretch. You see, a lot of people don't want to hear that because it doesn't make them feel good. But see, it's not about making you and I feel good. (laughs) It's about recognizing who we are so then we can now get right and get cleaned up. If we come in pride, God won't move. He won't move on our behalf. But but if if we humble ourselves... He will exalt us and he will bless us and we will have his peace and his love and his joy forever and ever and ever. Don't wait till you die and go to heaven to experience the goodness and the grace 
and the majesty of God, you can experience it today, today for the rest of your life. And if you have already, praise God that you've already been walking in that truth. But so many believers are so mixed up and they don't understand what's going on and they don't understand that repentance is key to walking with the Lord. It's not a one-time deal. You don't just say, I repent once and that's it. (laughs) Repentance is a lifestyle. And if you've walked with the Lord for any measure of time, you know that. If you're married, you know that. (laughs) How many times am I having to go to my wife and apologize and have hard, heart-to-heart conversations, but it ends up, you know, joy is in the morning. How many times do I have to go to my children? (laughs) Seven and three, and I'm asking them for forgiveness. Because daddy ain't acting right. (laughs) Because I need to get my heart right. Because I need the Lord to do a work in me so I can lead my family the right way. This is what real Christianity looks like, folks. This is not a game show. It's not, it's not this fake, funny thing that just is shiny on the outside. The Word of God talks about that. The cup that's clean on the outside, but, but inwardly, it's all messed up. We don't want to be like that. If we bear all to the Lord, <laughs> He will do a mighty work within us, and we will shine from the inside out. Amen. The second main point is this. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. James continues to make the case about our tongues and the words in which we use. It reveals our fallen hearts and our evil condition. Human beings use the tongues to both praise the Lord, their creator, El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. All the names you want to use, it's him. And also to curse other people who are created in God's likeness there's something very wrong with this there's something extremely wrong with this this way of being it doesn't make sense and it shouldn't be that way blessing and cursing should not originate out of the same mouth just think about it just think of the words that you said this week that the words that i've said this week was anything out of your mouth unwholesome and unrighteous Even if the answer is no, maybe you've just been blessing people all week long. And that's a great thing. Praise God. I'm so grateful that you're in a place where you can be used of the Lord or you're so aware of your condition that you're constantly clinging to the Lord. And you have been uh, giving blessings to people all throughout the week. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you still had to rebuke thoughts that were not edifying to your soul or to others. Even if you were walking in truth like that, you were still fighting a spiritual battle where your flesh or the enemy was constantly trying to bombard you and put things into your mind that are not edifying for your soul or for others. You see, we we must also remember that James is talking here to fellow believers in Jesus Christ. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers or unsaved people. He's talking to those who should know. We have... The word of truth. This is the this is this is the most important. This is the most valued book that you'll ever read, right? That's why it's the it's the number one bestseller of all time. <laughs> you know, you know what is there? KC Rowling's or whoever writes the Harry Potter. They don't got that's they got nothing on the Bible. <laughs> time Magazine's got nothing on the, the 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 inherent infallible word of God. You see. Those who trust in Yeshua, just the Jewish name of Jesus, I, 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 I'm all on that hype because the reality is we serve the Jewish Messiah, even as Gentiles. So why not call him that? You know, why not call him that? But even those who trust in him still need to learn to rely on his power 
to control their words and what we don't say until we go to heaven. This is a constant thing. We're constantly relying on Jesus. What is, what is joy? What's the acronym from joy? Jesus, others, and myself. <laughs> you know, how's that going for you this week? <laughs> Jesus, others, and yourself. Just think about this. Jesus, he taught that we are to bless those who wish harm to us. We're not supposed to smash on them. We're not supposed to get down on that level and just go right back at them tit for tat and, 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 and just curse them even harder than they did to us. Luke chapter 6, verse 28 says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Paul echoed this same command in Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. You see, we of all people, the saints of God, should be the ones growing in this area of our lives daily so that we can reflect the love and the light of Jesus Christ to the world around us so they can see, oh, this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to engage, right? As Gentiles, just like how Israel was supposed to share with the world what a relationship with the holy creator of everything is supposed to be like us as Gentiles saved, uh, you know, and we're, we're brought into newness of life through Jesus Christ. We should be the ones being used by the Holy Spirit to do this. The third main point is this. A renewed heart in Jesus Christ should bring forth words of life, not words of death. It's more than just wrong that we bless some with our mouths and with the same mouth we curse others with. It's actually not spiritually natural. It's not natural. There's a blemish there. There's something inherently wrong with this in the sense that it is not the way God originally made us. I mean, the fact we weren't even supposed to die. (laughs) We weren't even supposed to die. But because, I mean, you know, First Adam, it would have been any of us. We would have, we would have chosen. We would have ate from where we weren't supposed to eat from. Now we must die a physical death. And if we don't get saved, we're going to die the second death, which is even a million times worse than the first. We've all been corrupted by the sin nature. And to illustrate this contradiction, James wrote in verse 12 of where we're at this morning that a spring of water never pours out both salt water and fresh water. It just can't be. You see, that's not how the created world works. Fresh water and salt water come from two completely different water sources. Likewise, no fig tree can produce olives. It's, not, it's just not capable of happening. No olive tree grows figs. Neither would you expect to dip a cup into the water if you like to go to Monterey. I don't know how good it is now with all the washing away and things are just eroded. But, you know, going out there, you wouldn't dip a cup into the Pacific Ocean and pull out fresh water. It's going to be salty. It's going to be salty. This is the whole point of James's illustrations. Those who truly trust in Jesus Christ will begin to be changed, to make different choices in their lives. It's called sanctification. There has to be fruit. We have to see evidence. They're like, man, I'm changing. I'm not the same man that I was five weeks ago. I'm not the same man that I was five months ago. I'm not the same man that I was five hours ago or five years ago. There should be some form of change and a transformation in your life and my life. 
Our faith is far from perfected. I'm not saying perfection. And Jesus isn't asking us to be perfect because he knows we can never be this side of heaven. But as we grow in trusting in the Messiah, supernaturally, different works will begin to flow out of us, including the kind of acts that are healthy in the words that we say. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So church, let's walk in the good works that he has for you and I today. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses a little closer and we'll break them down. So um, we'll go back to 7 and 8. And it says, For every kind of beast and bird... Of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, that's harsh. <laughs> deadly, deadly poison. That doesn't make me feel good about what's going on inside of me apart from the Lord. It's just, just, it's just not a good thing. It's just, it's just bad. Every kind of beast and bird has been tamed by mankind. Again, a wild animal can be more easily tamed than our tongue. Just for an example, just for, just for kicks, here's a short list of some of the animals that humans have tamed over the years. Dogs, cats, sheep, goats, cows, pigs, horses, camels, llamas, alpacas, donkeys, reindeer, water buffaloes, yaks. <laughs> and, and despite all of this, James tells us that no man or woman can tame the tongue. Here's another example that will strike you. You see, the human will, right? Our will, our ability to, to will things to happen. Forge ahead. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. because <laughs> I'm strong-minded. I'm strong-willed, right? The human will has the incredible capacity for sacrifice and self-control. You see, sometimes we hear about some desperate survival story, right? Somebody was, you know, whatever, in the woods somewhere, and, uh, you know, they had to cut off one of their legs because, uh, you know, a boulder or some tree limb fell on it. And, and, they, and they did that, and they survived, and they, and they, they found help. <laughs> limb, without one limb, you know, they got to a hospital for medical treatment or, or, or think of maybe that's a little drastic, but think about other people. Uh, maybe you were a hardcore alcoholic and, and you were able to give up alcohol or you smoked cigarettes or you did drugs. Personally, I believe there's supernatural intervention there. But, you know, for some people who don't believe if they're not saved and they're not going to be saved, maybe they did will themselves to stop doing that. Either way, these are these are cases where we see the human will doing things. Yet these same people cannot tame the tongue perfectly. Why? Why is this? Well, when the first Adam sinned, God imputed that sin to all of mankind. So that every human being after the first Adam that was born, was born with a wicked heart and an evil sin nature. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 down through 18 tell us, As it is written... None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. 
They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And you see, it's so crazy because this to someone who has not been given the, the supernatural ability to, 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 to sense conviction and respond to it. This is so, this is so disrespectful to them. They are so disrespected by this. And they say, I, I can't, I can't, I can't even, I can't even think of a God who would say that. God is so not like that. Yes, he is. <laughs> because we are all wayward and wicked. Nobody seeks after God. It is his choosing whom he chooses to save. Because he's not dealing with humanity that's seeking after him. All of us in this room, none of us were seeking after God. I know for my life for a fact, because this is the last place that I would ever wanted to be. <laughs> Especially behind a pulpit. For real, for I say this every week because you guys know this. It was the supernatural act of God that took me out of where I was at. Because there was once upon a time where, where the word was offensive to me. But you see, now that we're saved, you see that and you, you don't get offended by it. You recognize it and you're like, man, you're right, Lord. <laughs> I'm not righteous. <laughs> I, I, I'm not seeking after you. Well, b before I wasn't seeking after you. I wasn't trying to do anything good. I mean, this is, I mean, just, this is offensive. Uh, your, the throat is an open grave. What? The mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Feet swift to shed blood, even if we haven't killed anybody. Have you ever had a thought, oh, I wish that fool would die? <laughs> Lord, break his teeth. I mean, I mean, maybe that, that, that's a, that could be a righteous prayer if you're walking with the Lord. You know, me and Lou were talking about it earlier. Gavin Newsom, hey, we're supposed to pray for our officials. But Lord, destroy that man if he's getting in the way of what you're trying to accomplish. I don't care who it is. I'm not going to bend a knee to these government officials. We pray for them. We pray that they get saved. We pray that they would be convicted. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Let me not get into that. <laughs> I don't like to get political up here, but I will preach the truth. Lurking within each of us are various degrees of hatred, bitterness, jealousy, and pride. And the tongue takes hold of these other destructive tendencies and it strikes out usually with the push from Satan. And this is again why we continually preach this in, in this church that, that we have to be careful, church, what we come into agreement with. We have to be cognizant of what is passing through our minds. Because when we come into agreement with thoughts that are of ill will and of corruption and deceit, we end up speaking words of death. When we come into agreement with the truth of God's word and we, we elaborate on that truth by constantly filling our minds and saturating our lives with the word of God, then more times than not, the word of life is going to come out of our words because we're coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit. And we're rebuking all of the things that are trying to get us off that track because we know our salvation can never be taken. But best believe you can be demonized and Satan wants to render you ineffective as a Christian. He wants to make your walk with Christ on this earth miserable. He wants to see you in a corner, sulking, having a fit, crying, having a sob story, being ineffective instead of reaching all the people you're supposed to reach in your sphere of influence. But we are supposed to be more than conquerors and we are more than conquerors. You have to understand, church, you are invincible in Christ. Not apart from him, but in Christ. You are invincible. 
There's nothing that Satan can do to you. There's nothing that no demon can do to you. As long as you don't come into agreement with these demons. Come into agreement with the word of God. That's why it's so important. I see this in my own walk. I have to saturate my mind constantly. Constantly. Or else I, I, I'm liable to fall victim to some unclean spirit to come in and make a mess of my marriage. Make a mess of my home. Make a mess of my relationship with the Lord. Make a mess of this church. I mean, I'm disposable anyways. It doesn't matter. The Lord will raise up whoever he wants to raise up. You know, but I'm just saying. The application is this. This is why, again, it is so important to be spiritually aware and refuse to come into agreement. I just said that. (laughs) With unclean thoughts that pass through our minds. We instead need to fill ourselves with the revelation of the word of God in Jesus Christ. You see, we see this every day. Among strangers, friends, siblings, and worst of all, among husbands and wives. These are the very people next to their love for the Lord Jesus Christ that should have the most love for each other, husbands and wives. And I'll read this and, you know, I I read this not perfected. I read this as a broken man still in work. And I know that my wife can attest to it, but, but I'm grateful that me and her can have real conversations where, just the truth has to be bared. <laughs> and and, and, and I, I, I desire to be like what this portion of Scripture is talking about, but I have not arrived. But I'll read it for the sake so we can understand what is going on here. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 down through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she is respects her husband. Man, that's so powerful. <laughs> you know, I can't stand when, when people take that portion of scripture out of context. Because if you look, yeah, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and husbands are supposed to submit to their wives. We're both weak. <laughs> we need Christ. <laughs> we need Christ at the center of our, our marriages so that we can walk in newness of life and in truth. You see, but if our hearts aren't being constantly cleansed, then we will never be able to speak in the ways that edify our wives, nor the wives' ability to submit to their husbands if our hearts aren't being cleansed. We need this. This is a daily operation, church. Repentance is a daily thing, multiple times throughout the day. You don't know how many times I'm at work and I'm like, Lord, fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Because if you don't give me a fresh dose of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be able to deal with these clients the way I'm supposed to. It's hard having three people in your ear talking and and you just got to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
It's not, it's not an easy thing. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you need the Holy Spirit to help you supernaturally, right? Rise above the, na- the natural state of things and be in a position where you're able to deal in a way that's lovingly. <laughs> not a way where it's like you're lording it over people and not in a way where you're, you're gritting your teeth doing it. But you actually have a joy about yourself. It's a supernatural work of God that only he can produce. And he produces it through his spirit. Amen. Again, we see the statement, no one can tame the tongue. This is actually really not a depressing message. It's really just pointing us back to the Lord (laughs) and trusting in him to do the work that we can't do. It's when we're prideful that we go, oh, man. Well, no, it's a good thing. (laughs) Repentance is a beautiful thing. If you lack The need for repentance, you've missed the point of Christianity. The only way the tongue can be brought under control is by the power and control of the Holy Spirit. Again, it says that our tongues are are full of unruly evil, full of deadly poison. The untamed tongue is even more dangerous when we consider the deadly poison that it delivers. Because you see, every sinful action is first spoken into existence before it is actually acted out. The I hate you. (laughs) Or think of nations warring against one another. It's a word said that sparks, okay, now nuclear blast, here we go. We're we're about to destroy this whole thing. We're taking over. With Russia and Ukraine, where did it come from? We know it's a, a sin, but it came from a word spoken. And that word led to an action. But once again, it all starts in the heart. You see, then from the heart, it's transferred to the mind. And then left unchecked, it becomes actions of death. The poison of the tongue is deadly. It murders men's reputations by the words it speaks. It always goes back to our hearts, saints. Remember, from out of the abundance of your heart and my heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus warned about the heart condition which leads to every evil action. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 down through 24 tells us, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be li- liable Excuse me, to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's hardcore. He said, if you call somebody a fool, (laughs) you're in danger of hellfire. Man, that's not even a curse word. You know, I mean, in the English language, we throw fool around like it ain't no thing. We make fool like, dog. hey, dog. It's a term of endearment nowadays. What's up, fool? What's up, fool? That's how, that's how cats talk. What's up, fool? How you doing? Man, it, the Bible says you're liable of hellfire for even uttering those words coming out of your mouth because your heart is such in a wrong place. Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 and 19 tells us, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. 
from out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. That's heavy. The application is this. We must deal with the sin of the untamed tongue at its root, which is our hearts. You see, church, if you and I don't surrender our lives to the full authority of Jesus Christ and repent, we will forever be plagued with the sin that defiles our entire being. But the positive note is if we simply humble ourselves and repent, which means have a change of thought, which means I disagree with my way and I agree with your way. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is the message the world needs. Not another psychiatrist, not another wonder drug, not peace on the earth. Not anybody can marry anybody, not Black Lives Matter, not none of that nonsense. People need to hear the truth of the gospel, unaltered, the real raw cut untruth. It's either salvation or death in hell through one man, through the man God, Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah. That is it. Supernatural victory will come. We will tread on serpents will be wise as serpents gentle as doves again we can literally become invincible through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ we don't have to fall victim to these things and this is the beauty of the word of God that he, he, sh- he shares with he says look this is what to watch out for and this is how you can be victorious <laughs> he wants us to be victorious now we know what's going to happen when we get raptured. <laughs> but, but until then, or until we pass on and cross this chasm of, of, of physical life into the spirit world, we need to be victorious, church. We, we must, in order to see those who are part of the remnant that need to be saved still. You may be the only Christ that somebody in your sphere of influence is going to see. And if your heart's not right, how can you be effective in witnessing to them? We know that we don't save. We water or we plant, but the Lord is the one who gives the increase. But he will not work through a dirty vessel. He will not work with someone who, he will not work through, excuse me, someone who is unclean in that manner. But if we humble ourselves, he'll, he'll, he'll make us cleaner than Ajax, cleaner than bleach. We'll be whiter than snow. And you can walk in that victory, from victory to victory, from glory to glory. You don't have to be in defeat. Don't walk in defeat, church. You, sh- you should rise above this. I know sir, your circumstances may not change. We all have circumstances that are difficult and hard. I know everyone in this room is going through certain specific things. Don't let your circumstances dictate your victory in Christ. Don't base your life on what you see in the physical realm. So many Christians are basing their lives on the physical. What's in their bank account? What's not in their bank account? Who they're married to? Who they're not married to? (laughs) Those things are not what's important. (laughs) If we get right at the source, it's Christ. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He died for my sins. He resurrected. He su- look at, look at, just look through the Bible. Everything is supernatural. He spoke the word into the world into existence. That's supernatural. The parting of the Red Sea is supernatural. 
Everything, the staff that Moses has, supernatural. The manna that came down, the quail, supernatural. It's all, every single thing that's in the Word of God is supernatural. We have to get to a place where we start believing this. And I'm not talking about being weird about it. <laughs> I'm not talking about being out there like these kooks who are doing some whole other stuff. I'm talking about biblical truth of the supernatural authority that's been given to us through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This is what I'm talking about. This is what the Bible is talking about. And you have that at your access, at your disposal. You can live a victorious life. This ain't a pep talk. This is the reality of the word of God. I pray that you and I really embrace this and walk in this. We shouldn't be with our heads down, all humdrum. I know we go through hard times. There'll be seasons of grief, but you got to snap out of it at some point and get up and start walking hard for the Lord. Fight the good fight. That's what all, this is what all the saints talked about. This is what all the, the, the prophets of past talked about. Finishing your way, race well. We must strive through the narrow gate. What does that mean? That doesn't mean kick back with a drop top cruising on Highway 1. You know, all lollygagging about it. No, it means we need to be assertive and direct. Dare I even say militant about it. There has to be an eagerness and a hungerness within you and I to want to grow in the things of God. That's the only way you're going to have breakthrough, church. That's the only way that you're going to really see the inner person grow within you and you see the revelation of the Holy Spirit living within you. That's what I want more than anything in my life personally. I just want to experience the Lord's presence. I don't want to know verses for the sake of just knowing them. I want to experience his presence in my life and know that I know that I know that he's with me. We just sang it. I'm not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. Do you really believe this? Do you really see this in your life? It can't just be intellectual. It's got to be forged deep within you that you know that I don't care. That's like what happened back in the day, 100 years ago in Europe. These men and women were getting burned at the stake, burned alive because they said, you guys are bringing witchcraft in the church. That's not right. <laughs> we don't believe that. It's Christ and him alone. We have to be at that place, church. That is how we will live an effective life for the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Last few verses, nine through 12. <laughs> and it says, speaking again of the tongue, we will uh, with it. We bless our uh, Lord and father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Again, he, I believe James has been led to drive home the point because it's so important that we understand this. It's so important that we understand the weight and the weightiness of our words. That's why he's repeating it. Now, he's not repeating it so we could just merely hear it again and people be bored in the service and be like, man, this dude just keep repeating himself. <laughs> he just keeps saying the same thing over and over. No, it's because he wants us to really understand. With it, we bless our God and our Lord and our Father. And with the same tongue, we curse men. You see, if we are born again, it shouldn't be said of us that out of the same mouth proceeds Blessing and cursing. It shouldn't. People shouldn't look to our witness and say, man, that dude is not really a solid Christian. 
Because you know what? I, I, I heard, I overheard what he was saying to another worker at, at the water cooler, and it was not good. He was talking about all kind of horrible stuff, and he claims that he believes in Jesus. He wears shirts. He got a hat that says God first. <laughs> but then he's not even talking about anything godly. Man, that's a horrible thing. Not to pick on the Apostle Peter, because we know he was a great man of the Lord. He's an example. <laughs> He's an example, right? But remember, Peter's tongue, he, he confessed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then he denied Jesus. He cursed. He, he cursed. He said, no, I don't know. I don't know the man. <laughs> I don't know the man. Little girl. So, you were with him. He cursed the Lord and said, I do not know you. And th this should be this should be encouraging for us, church, because Peter was the one that said, uh, Jesus said, out of the proclamation of what you said, I'm going to build the foundation of my church upon what you said, that I am the Messiah and I am the Christ, that, that flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my, my Father who's in heaven revealed that to you. For a man that was used like that, to go through that, and we know the times where Jesus said, man, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, right? We have to understand the framework of the culture. The Jewish people believed their Messiah was not going to be hung on a tree. So Peter's like, dude, what are you talking about? You're going to the tree to die? Heck no. You're going to deliver us from these Romans and it's going to be all good. But if a man like that, full of the Holy Spirit, can be used in such a mighty way and stumbles and falls but gets back up, what does that say about you and me? Right? That says that we can get back up. That's what I'm talking about. Don't be beat up. Do not let Satan beat you up because he wants to beat you to a pummel till you give up. He doesn't want you to get up. As corny as Rocky was, unless you like Rocky, I don't mean disrespect. Rocky kept getting back up. Remember Rocky and Apollo? Man. I mean, they were going at it. You know, for real, for real, right? CTE and all that. But he kept getting back up. He would not give up. That's you and I in the Christian life. We got to get up. Don't stay on the mat. Don't stay down. For us today, again, we must be encouraged because how many times have we done the same thing? We sit up in the church house, got our hands lifted high. <laughs> We're singing songs about how great God is who we serve. Yet outside these walls, we don't even speak about Jesus. We're like those, we're like those private eye Christians. It's like, don't nobody know that you're saved. You ain't sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with nobody around you. May it not be so. May we not be ashamed of the gospel. I mean, what, what's the worst they're going to do to you? Say you're a weirdo or say, no, I don't believe in that. Or maybe it is we're ashamed because we're not in the word enough and we don't have a close enough relationship with the Lord. So when they fire, we don't know how to fire back. That's why you got to know the word. That's why you got to be so encompassed with the word of God that you're able to I don't care what you say. I can show you right now where you're wrong. Just like an atheist. It's like atheism is so fake because if atheism was real, if God didn't exist, why would you have to say he doesn't even exist? That's the dumbest argument in the world. And I don't mean to pick on them, but I'm just it's just it's evident. Romans chapter one says it all in all of the invisible things just in his creation. He reveals that he exists. But because men love the darkness they refuse the truth. They suppress the truth because of their sinful nature. May it not be said about us, church. Amen. We should be the ones. We have the power of the Lord living within us. We got to be the ones to be out in our communities, in our families, 
teaching, sharing the truth in love. And it's not a lot. You don't got to beat somebody over the head with the Bible. But it's your manner <laughs> and how you carry yourself and how they see you and the vibe they get from you. That the Holy Spirit is permeating from you because it rubs off on people. It rubs off on the hardest heart. And over time, if it's the Lord's will, that person will come to repentance. But if we're not right and squeaky clean before him, then we will be an ineffective witness. May it never be said that we are those people. Again, he goes on, James says, may it never be so. May it never be said so that we're the ones that are blessing the Lord and cursing people. Our speech should be consistently glorifying to the Lord. We shouldn't use one vocabulary or tone speaking in the church house and then different when we're at home or at our job. This is what I want for my family personally. I want my life before my children to be exactly the same behind this pulpit as I am at home. It's like, I don't change. (laughs) I'm not changing it up. It's like, you're cool with this. We're not cool with that. At home, the same thing. We're cool with this. We're not cool with that. It's not we put on some show here. And then all of a sudden, we're just going to go live a different way outside of these walls. No, it's the same. It's a consistent walk, consistent truth. People should have enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Jesus Christ. They should have enough. They'd be like, this guy, this girl. Yes, thank you. It's okay. Like a spring of water, our mouths shouldn't send forth fresh and bitter water from the same opening. Again, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. This is ultimately impossible. This is a complete contradiction. The reality is this. If a bad fruit and bitter water continue to come forth, it means that both the tree is bad and the spring is bad. That's it. Again, we talk about it a lot here. We need to become really good fruit inspectors within our own lives first and within the lives of other people. Not so we can pick and pry because we're not doing the, 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 you know, the plank in my eye and the speck in another. But it's the whole idea of we should be able to have the discernment of the Holy Spirit to see. You got to be real with yourself. If you're not real with yourself, then you're faking it and you're going to not live a fulfilled life in Christ. And it's OK to be like, man, right now I'm in a season where I'm not where I need to be. Then the Lord can come in and do the work he got to do, right? But if we don't even recognize it in ourselves, how are we going to go around and how are you going to know what I'm teaching is the truth if you're not being raw and real with the Lord in your own life and being in the word? You're going to be deceived. Don't let anyone deceive you. You need to. I need to know the word for myself and I need to see this in how I'm living in regards to my relationship with the Lord. You see, Jesus taught that man's words are a reliable revelation of his inner character. Your words reveal what's really going on within your heart, the core of who you are. Your words will speak it. They blurt it out. Be sure your sin, my sin will find me out. So if I'm not living right, it's going to come out. (laughs) It's going to come out. God bless you. Is that a grown man sneeze again? Is that Lou back there? That grown man bass, boom, boom. Like Jolly Green Giant sneeze, man. Jesus taught that a man's words, again, they reveal his character. We say that what we say indicates who we are. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 37. I'm almost getting done here, church. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. 
and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. That should put a heavy fear of the Lord in your heart. I know it does me. I'm so glad that that the Lord pardons all of these other things. Because I'm like, Lord, I know I spoke ill words for so long. But the blood of Jesus Christ washes that away. He chooses not to see that because he sees the imputed righteousness. He sees his son Christ in you. And so he sees the goodness and the the revelation of the righteousness of his son. He says, okay, good. (laughs) You're good. You're good because my son's good and my son's living in you. This is why it's so important that we have Christ. It's not nobody else. It's not Hare Krishna. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not none of this. It's not this new age stuff going on. And it's not adding or taking away. You got a lot in the church they are adding or they're preaching themselves. You got these pastors, they're talking about themselves. What are you talking about, man? Nobody want to hear you. Nobody want to hear about all that. I get your testimony, but, far, but after that, forget it. You better be teaching Christ and Him crucified because He's the only one that can save. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? It is unnatural and absurd if a fig tree started to bear olive berries. <laughs> it just it doesn't work like that. It's liger nonsense. It's not, it's not none of that, man. What man tries to manipulate and do in some lab? I always mess around with one of my clients at work. I say, I say, you like that? You like that clone chicken? Uh, that KFC man? That headless clone? That headless clone chicken that they make, man, in them labs? It's too salty for me. I don't like it. <laughs> It's just as unnatural for a Christian to live in constant sin. I get it, right? We're going to sin. That's why the Lord said he forgives sin, past, present, and future. But I'm talking about a habitual rebellion, a lifestyle of of being hell-bent and saying, curse you, God. I'm my own God. I've erected myself as God. I'm not going to bend a knee to your authority and rule. It's that. Living like that, that is unnatural for a believer. You're not a believer, (laughs) If that's the case, I don't care what you say, because that's the reality. This is why repentance is so key in a believer's relationship with Jesus Christ. The whole chapter of Psalm 51 speaks of this idea, but I want to key in on a few verses. Psalm 51 verses 10 down through 12. Talked about it earlier. This is David after his adultery with Bathsheba. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love that song. We sing that song a lot in this church. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. It's interesting because you see, we talk a lot about our salvation, but you see right there, it says in verse 12, it's his salvation. It's all him. It's all him. He's the one that gives it. It's his. It's his to give and for us to receive. That's why it's a free gift. And we have to understand, church, if he is the author and finisher of our faith, then we can rejoice and trust that he's going to keep us and he's going to complete the perfect work that he started in us until the day of completion. But you see, Unless we repent of our sins, we cannot be clean before a holy and righteous God. And if we're not clean before Yahweh, we can't even have fellowship with him. (laughs) He says, come as you are. But once you come, you got to get cleaned up (laughs) and you got to constantly be getting cleaned up because he doesn't have fellowship with unrighteousness. He won't have fellowship with dirtiness because he's holy and righteous. 
So that's why repentance is so key. So embrace repentance. We teach repentance in this church because it's imperative that we as saints of God repent. It's a beautiful thing. It's so important to your maturation and my maturation as a believer in Christ. The application is this. Unless you are regenerated, born from above by a new and heavenly birth, you are not a Christian. And you cannot produce the fruit which is acceptable to God apart from being cleansed and sanctified by Jesus Christ. I'll end with this note as Isaiah and Michelle come up in a moment. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Oh, you're good. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. Do you see the word, the words we speak, and then him being the word, he cuts through everything. He exposes the truth for what it is, but he also will instill the truth in us if we're willing to receive it. I'll end on this thought. You can label... A fig tree, an olive tree, and that will not make it an olive tree. (laughs) You can trim a fig tree to make it look like an olive tree, and that won't make it an olive tree. You can treat a fig tree like an olive tree, and that will not make it an olive tree. You could even surround a fig tree with many olive trees. And that will not make it an olive tree. Do you you see what's happening here, church? A vital transformation, a supernatural transformation must take place within our hearts if we ever truly want to live the born-again life and be filled with the Holy Spirit, able to control our tongues. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're born again this morning, praise God for the miraculous work he's done in your heart and in your life and continue to walk in his never-ending, undying love and truth. Amen? Let's pray. (sighs) Yahweh, Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your vision and your direction. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom and your discernment. Father, we praise you for Jesus Christ, your son, Yeshua, who died upon that cross. He gave his life so that we could be redeemed, so that we could have eternal life forever with you. Father, may the cross never become old to us. May the fact that he gave his life be something that is ever present in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Father, may we meditate on what you've done for us and may we be glad and rejoice in that today. Father, we thank you and we love you. In your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.